Today, we're gonna to talk about being tested for depression and anxiety. We're gonna discuss the pros and cons of going through this process, what it is like to go through this process, how to get started on this process, and what it might lead to down the road. The first thing I wanna talk about today is the pros and cons. In other words, like, what's the point of getting tested for depression and anxiety? How does it benefit me? And are there any ways that it could harm me? In general, I think it's gonna do more good than harm, but I'll explain why. There are a few positive outcomes that can result from being tested for depression and anxiety. Probably the most obvious one is insurance coverage. If you want to receive some type of mental health treatment, whether that is individual therapy, group therapy, psychiatric medications, your insurance is typically not going to cover these procedures or these treatments unless you have a diagnosis that matches up with these treatments. So if a provider wants to put you on an antidepressant medication, for example, unless there is a diagnosis of depression or some type of mood disorder in your chart or in your note for that visit, your insurance is probably gonna say, we aren't gonna pay for this person to be on an antidepressant medication because they don't appear to have depression and they're gonna deny that charge and you're gonna to have to pay for those treatments out of pocket. Therapy and medication, unfortunately, are incredibly expensive out of pocket. If you don't have insurance coverage for these conditions, most people are not going to be able to afford the treatment. So unless you're extremely wealthy and for some reason do not wish to be tested, it is almost always gonna be better. It is always gonna be better for your wallet, honestly, for your finances, to go ahead and go through with that testing, if for no other reason than to not have to pay for your own treatment, because those costs will add up quickly. Another benefit to being tested for depression and anxiety is simply peace of mind. I mean, if you're wondering, like, do I have depression or not? Do I have anxiety or not? Do I have depression or some other condition? Then there's really no negative outcome to testing for you because the testing is gonna go one of two ways, right? Either you will receive a diagnosis, in which case you now have a path forward, right? You now have a label to something that you've been struggling with for probably a very long time. I know some people don't love the idea of being, quote, labeled, with a mental health condition. And I do understand that. I don't wanna come across like I don't, but I think labels are actually incredibly important because if you really think about it, if you can be labeled with something, that tells you a few things. That tells you that other people out there in the world are experiencing this same thing. This is not just some weird idiosyncratic you problem. This is a problem that has a name. And if it has a name, that means other people deal with it. That means that this is a problem that has been studied. It means that scientists and professionals and people with doctorate degrees are looking at this thing and trying to figure out, what is this? Why does this happen? What causes this? What can we do about it? And that last part is maybe the most important one because if you have a condition with a name, that almost always means you have a condition with a treatment. Not necessarily a cure, but a treatment. So a label leads to a treatment, or at least has the ability to lead to a treatment. Now that's gonna be up to you. There are almost no situations where you go in for some kind of mental health testing and you get forced to receive some kind of treatment. I wanna make sure people know that because there are some misconceptions here. 
the only time in mental health that you would be forced to receive a treatment is if your symptoms of some condition are so severe that your provider deems that they are a threat to your life, like immediately, like today, or a threat to somebody else's life. If you are struggling with something and it's just really lowering your quality of life, no one is going to force you to get treatment. They may very strongly encourage you to get treatment, and to be honest, you should get treatment because no one should just be forced to live that way. It's miserable and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, but it's ultimately gonna be up to you. So if something that's been holding you back from getting testing is this idea like, I don't want someone to put me on medication or make me go into therapy, they won't, they can't, they literally can't. I mean, someone could write you a prescription, but no one's gonna follow you home and make sure you take it. You're in the driver's seat with whatever you wanna do treatment-wise. That's why I'm pro-label. And the last big advantage to being tested for depression and anxiety is that your provider, the person doing the testing, can do a differential diagnosis. We've talked a little bit about this in other episodes, especially last week when we talked about depression and bipolar disorder, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes here, but not everything that looks like depression is depression, and not everything that looks like anxiety is anxiety. And it's not just semantics. It's not just people being like, oh, what should we call this? What name should we choose to, to put to your struggles? It matters. Because even though some of these things can look very similar to one another, they should be treated very differently. They need to be treated very differently if you want to get better. Let me just give you a few examples. Somebody with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, can look almost indistinguishable from someone with depression and anxiety. If you look at the symptoms, the so PTSD has 20 symptoms, which is a lot. The last 12 of them in order in the DSM are basically depression and anxiety. There's almost no difference. There's a few very subtle differences that most non-mental health professionals wouldn't even be able to pick out. So on the surface, someone with PTSD and someone with depression and anxiety can look almost exactly the same but those things need to be treated very differently because the cause of the symptoms is different, therefore the treatment is different. There are many medical conditions, many physical health conditions, and I think mental health is physical health, but we're not gonna go down that road today because that's a long road. There are many physical health conditions that can mimic depression and anxiety. Uh, I don't have exhaustive knowledge of those things since I'm not a physician, but just to give a couple examples, like I know that there are a lot of thyroid conditions that can look a lot like depression or anxiety. So if you actually have a physical health condition, that is causing mental health symptoms and you don't get tested, you don't, you don't do a differential diagnosis and you just assume I have depression, you might be dealing with a treatable physical health condition that isn't getting treated because you didn't get tested. So testing is really important to make sure that you are on the right path, that you are treating the right condition, that the things you're doing to try to get better actually makes sense for what's wrong because it's, it's easy to get this stuff wrong. Things aren't always what they seem. Things aren't always what they feel like. Are there downsides to getting tested? Not really. There, there might be a couple small ones that probably aren't even going to apply to most people's lives, but just for the sake of being thorough and open and honest, uh, we'll go over those. There isn't, I know a lot of people worry about like, I don't want that diagnosis in my chart. So your chart will look different from one agency to the next because it depends on what electronic record system the provider that you're seeing is using, but there's not like, this might sound ridiculous, but I've heard people say this. There's not like a central 
registry somewhere where every person's mental health conditions are listed. It doesn't, like, if I'm your therapist, if, if I see you for testing and I think you have some certain condition and I put that in your report, it doesn't upload it to some other system somewhere where, like, just anyone can look it up and be like, oh, wow, <laughs> that person's got some problems. That doesn't exist, okay? That's not real. It's only in your chart for that agency, which means the only people who would see that are other people who work in that agency and have access to your charts, like other people who are treating you will see it. So if, if I diagnose you with depression, yes, your doctor, your, your primary care provider, if they also work for the same hospital as me, will see that. And honestly, like you'd want them to, because that's gonna be part of your treatment. If you send your records to anybody, if you sign a release of information and say, I want this person to have my records, then other people will see it, yes. And you'll be choosing to do that of your own volition, usually for treatment planning purposes. Only two situations I've ever heard of where diagnoses can negatively impact someone, and these are both pretty uncommon. One is sometimes there are legal situations that a person might find themselves in where, and I'm not a lawyer, so uh, if, my exact terminology may not be correct here, but this is a real thing that can happen, where somehow the court, um, for various reasons, can like subpoena access to your records because it's part of it's relevant to what you're on trial for so that it's possible that there are certain legal situations where your medical record may become part of the trial i also know that when people apply to join at least certain branches of the military i don't know if it's all or just some that they also request access to your medical records which would include mental health records to review your health. I do know that at one point in time, they were denying people um, who had mood disorders and depressive disorders from joining the military. I believe that is no longer the case. However, I am also not an expert on the military. So if you are planning to join the military someday, I would probably do a little research before going in. I still think, without knowing you or your life or your goals, that it's probably gonna be better for you overall to get that testing so that you can get the treatment you need. But I would be lying to you if I said there's absolutely 0% chance that it can ever negatively impact you because there are a couple situations where it could and I want you to go in with eyes open so you know what's going on. All right, so you want to get tested. Where do you go? There are actually quite a few options here and, and there's not really like an objectively right or wrong answer. Some might be better fits than others, so I'm just gonna kind of review all those with you today. Broadly speaking, there are four categories of people who can assess you for depression and anxiety and they would be primary care providers, so that's like doctors, you know, physicians, pediatricians, physicians assistants, medical providers. Therapists, counselors, whatever you want to call them, usually people with master's degrees, like social workers, mental health counselors, drug and alcohol counselors, um, family, family therapists, all these people can assess you for depression and anxiety. Psychiatrists who are medical doctors or psychiatric nurses who um, specialize in mental health and specifically in managing medications for mental health, they can be your first point of entry, they can diagnose you. And the fourth option is psychologists. And so that's people like me who have non-medical doctorates and specialize in psychological testing and treatment. There's no right or wrong answer here. If you are trying to determine, do I have depression and or anxiety, or is there a physical health condition that is causing these symptoms? If you have reason to believe this might be a medical problem, 
then a physician is gonna be the best person to see for your testing because they're going to be the ones who are most able to do that differential diagnosis and figure out, is this what it looks like or is this some other thing that has a different treatment? So if you suspect that this might be a physical health issue or a medical problem, I would start with a physician. Physicians are also usually easiest to get in with because you, you probably, hopefully, already have one. And so it's not a brand new person who doesn't know you that you gotta get scheduled with. It's you just call up somebody who you've seen before and say, hey, I would like to have a visit. And then you talk about your concerns with that person and they help you figure out where to go. If you are trying to figure out, do I have depression? Do I have anxiety? Or is this a different mental health condition? If you are having some certain symptoms that you are not sure if they quite fit the symptom pattern of depression and anxiety, if you have some other symptoms that you're like, I don't know, I don't know what this one is. This doesn't seem, this doesn't seem to fit in this category. Then I would probably recommend seeing a psychologist like myself. We are going to have the highest skill level at doing a differential diagnosis between depression and anxiety and other mental health conditions. We have the most training of all four categories of people in looking at other mental health conditions. So if you're like, is this depression or PTSD? Is this depression or bipolar disorder? Is this anxiety or OCD? If that's the kind of question you have, psychologists are going to be your best bet and the people who are most able to answer that question. The advantages to having your entry point be a therapist or a psychiatrist is that they can start treatment with you that day. Actually, so can a physician and sometimes a psychologist. Sorry, that's a little confusing. <laughs> Technically, all people can do that, but you're more likely to get set up with treatment right away with a psychiatrist or with a therapist. So if you think, I probably have depression and anxiety, and I think the main thing that I want to do about it is therapy. I want to be in counseling. I want to talk about what I'm going through and get strategies for overcoming it. Then starting with a therapist might be the thing that makes the most sense. Because if you click with the therapist you see who does your assessment, if you have good rapport with them, chances are they can follow up with you. They can be your therapist. You can leave the office that day with therapy appointments scheduled with that person. So if you're not worried about differentials and you you either are like pretty sure, or you just like want to see, you know, I know I feel depressed and anxious sometimes. Does it cross this clinical threshold where this is an actual chronic mental health condition? And if so, I wanna make a plan right away. I probably would start with a therapist. Psychologists like myself also do therapy, but because we also do testing and a lot of other things, we are often harder to get in with for therapy. I have a very long wait list personally, so like when, I, I always feel bad about this, but, a lot of times I assess somebody and we, you know, we build up a little rapport. They tell me some personal things. They feel kind of comfortable with me. I say a couple things that are helpful. And then they're like, can you be my therapist? And I'm like, yeah, maybe in three years, but let's get you set up with somebody sooner than that. I, I hate doing that. I, I hate disappointing people, especially when I know that they click with me. So um, if you start with a therapist, you're, you're more likely to, it basically skips a step because I have to refer you to somebody else for therapy, and then there's another new person, you kinda gotta start over. It's just a little more cumbersome to do it that way. If you start with a psychiatrist, you can probably leave the psychiatrist's office that day with a prescription. And so if your primary goal is, I, I wanna see if I have this condition, and probably initiate medication, like a psychopharmacological treatment for my condition, starting with a psychiatrist probably makes the most sense. Again, primary care providers can do that too, um, but with a psychiatrist, it's their specialty, so it might be where you'd end up eventually anyway. 
so again, it's just like starting with a therapist. It, it kind of skips a step, like in a good way. And again, the only downsides really to starting with a therapist or a psychiatrist is they're gonna be less able to do those differential diagnoses. So if you're, if you kind of have multiple theories or think there might be more going on than just depression or anxiety, that's when I see either a physician or a psychologist. I know that's a little complicated. Hopefully it made sense to you. So let's talk a little bit now about the process of getting diagnosed. So what does that testing visit actually look like? It tends a little bit on who you see, but most likely it's gonna consist of some combination of a diagnostic interview, which is the person who you're seeing asking you some questions. A lot of those questions will be about your symptoms. So, you know, do you experience this? How often do you experience this? Just kind of some basic questions about like, what's going on that makes you think that you might struggle with depression or anxiety? They're probably also gonna ask you some lifestyle and logistical questions. What we're looking for here is something called functional impairment. So when people have a chronic mental health condition, usually some area of life is not going as good as they would want it to, or as good as it's capable of going for them. Whether this is uh, something that's affecting your ability to be productive at work or, or go to work, maybe it's affecting your grades or your attendance at school, maybe it's messing up your relationships and you're having trouble forming or maintaining close relationships, Maybe you're having trouble taking care of yourself. Maybe you're having trouble taking care of your home, but there's probably at least one area of life where you're struggling a bit because of this thing. And so we're also going to try to learn a little bit more about your life so we can see like, where is this showing up most for you? We will probably ask about family mental health history because most mental health conditions have a pretty strong genetic component. And so we wanna know, and that can be a little tricky because a lot of families just aren't mental health savvy and so there is no family mental health history because you're the first person who's ever bothered to get this checked out. Obviously, it doesn't mean no one else in your family has struggled. They just didn't do what you're doing, which is what they should have done. Hopefully that made sense. That was kind of a strange sentence. So the questions that a person asks you beyond what we've already talked about are really gonna depend on whether or not you're endorsing other symptoms that could be a different condition. We wanna make sure we assess for everything and that we test for everything so that we don't miss a potential cause, a potential treatable problem you may have that could be a part of your symptom cluster that you're reporting. As far as the actual tests go, if it's literally just depression and anxiety that we're looking at and, and nothing else, the test is going to be very, very short and simple. There are a few assessments that can be used to test for depression and anxiety. Most of them range from like seven to maybe 25 questions. And these questions are typically gonna be multiple choice, like a three, four, five point scale. How often do you get insomnia? How often do you have thoughts of suicide? And those are used not only to determine, you know, is this clinically significant? Does this kind of cross the threshold of like general stress and sadness that you know all people experience to some degree and if it does cross that threshold how far across the threshold is it is this mild is this moderate is this severe so the test is not like there's no there's no blood test there's no brain scan there's no x-ray it, it's not a really uh, involved process the testing itself unless there's some differentials going on you know if, if you're if you're seeing your doctor and they think oh this could be a medical condition then yeah then there may be some medical tests involved or if you're seeing a psychologist like me and I'm trying to figure out like could this be could this be ADHD could this be bipolar disorder then the testing pr process is gonna be a little bit more involved so to some degree it does depend on whether there are differential questions but if it's just a straight-up test for depression and anxiety that'll probably take that part, the actual test part, 
probably take five minutes. It's a very, very short, very, very simple procedure. Not very stressful, not really that big a deal. Lastly, I wanna talk about what happens next. What happens if you are diagnosed? And I've touched a little bit on this already, but I just wanna kinda of clarify it here for the end. So if you are diagnosed with a mental health condition, what should happen, what usually happens, is that your treatment provider should make some recommendations for you. And what those suggestions are, are gonna depend on the diagnosis and, and also on the severity level. Those suggestions might be, I think you should talk to somebody, right? I think you should see a counselor. If the person is a counselor, they might say, I think you should talk to me. I think we should get you on my schedule for weekly, every other week, maybe even monthly. I'm not a big fan of monthly though. Again, whole nother road we're not gonna go down today. They'll suggest treatments. If the person is a doctor or a psychiatrist, you know, they might say, why don't we get you started on some medication? Why don't we try something here and see if we can't give you some relief from these symptoms? If your symptoms are pretty severe, they might suggest some more intensive treatment options. They might suggest that you do like a group program, like an intensive outpatient program that I run, which is a few hours a week of meeting with a small group, getting some good education, getting some good tools, meeting people who are like you and have some of the same struggles as you. They may even, depending on how severe it is, they may even recommend like a partial hospitalization or a residential treatment program. But I just wanna reiterate that unless you are an immediate threat to yourself or others, they aren't going to force you to do anything. They can't mandate treatments. They can't send you to a treatment center unless there's some kind of imminent safety threat going on. So if you've been holding yourself back from getting assessed because you don't want to be forced to receive a treatment that you aren't ready for or don't want at all or don't think you will help, don't think will help you, it's really not something you have to worry about. It really isn't. Um, that would only happen if you were in danger. And if you are, then, then that's where you need to be. Then that's what has to happen to keep you safe. And so it's still a good thing. And just to reiterate from before too, there's, there's almost no downside to getting tested. A, a label isn't typically going to hurt you. It unlocks treatment options for you. It gives a name to your suffering, which I think is an incredibly valuable thing, especially if you feel alone and isolated and like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know if I'm the only one who experiences this. It can be really powerful to have a label and to have a professional say to you, this is a real thing. This, th what you're dealing with is real. It, it has a physiology, like there are reasons this is happening to you. It has a name and it has a course of treatment. And here it is, let's do this thing. I am pro-diagnosis in most cases. Um, I think diagnoses save lives, labels save lives, treatment saves lives. So if you're on the fence at all and you haven't taken that first step yet, you haven't reached out to a provider and said, hey, I think I, think I might be struggling with this. Can you help me? Can you help me figure this out? I hope that something I said today sparks a desire in you to do that because it can make an entire world of difference. Good luck. Take care.